0: Love, talk, radio. Hello everybody and welcome to the Axiom Principle. I am your host, Dr. Vickers, and tonight we'll be discussing an interesting conundrum that um, is, is kind of a backwards way to try to describe purpose, as it were. It's uh, the articles and faith claims of free will and uh, I have two guests today I'm trying to get them connected right now uh, from the three thought profit blog and chat show um, they should be joining us in a few minutes and uh, we can get started into this before we do that um, I have a couple pieces of uh, information we can put together that um, kind of outline what free thought is um, straight from my blog, basically. Essentially, the idea of free will is the idea that we have the opportunity to choose our own destiny, to pick and choose how we act and what we'll do, and this is given us deity of sorts. And this this claim that the deity gave us free will, and therefore we can choose our own path, is uh, Sorry, I can't type and talk at the same time. So, um trying to message my uh guests for tonight. They they sent me a message and we'll they're me so they could still connect. So, um but the idea is that the free will is a, is a gift that allows us to choose our own path. But the, there's a problem with that. And and we're going to get into that in a little bit, actually. Uh one of my guests just joined me and I will give you his brief introduction. Um uh, see you there? Can you hear me? Can hear you now. Okay. All right. Is that just you or is it um your co host uh,
1: John should be on here in a second. Uh, I just told him to click the direct connect, so you should be on here momentarily
0: all right yeah the the blog radio is uh bit finicky too if you don't you have your uh, headset not connected before you open up your browser you'll which is fun, right, yeah.
1: I'm having a hard time hearing you. I can't hear anything now first hello can you hear me i can hear you now
0: okay yeah i lost internet that's fun.
1: okay yeah uh, john said he was on but uh i haven't heard him yet
0: yeah i actually don't see him as called in yet let me see if i can refresh the screen here and it not throw up on me. I don't see him in yet. Interesting. All right. Well, um, let me at least give the introduction for you since I got your bio here. Sure. Uh, so you were a former law enforcement officer turned atheist activist, grew up in uh, the Church of Christ. Interesting. And uh, you had a moment of clarity. Uh, you want to describe that a little bit?
1: <laughs> well, uh, I think what really did it for me, I mean, there was many things, but uh, dying does something to somebody. Uh, I was actually injured in the line of duty. And uh, while I was in the hospital recovering, they uh, had me on what is called called—it was an IV drip where they were feeding me uh, some sort of painkiller. The Lawton, I believe. I could be wrong. But uh, anyways, there was a malfunction in the uh, the drip. Instead of giving it to me uh, over time, they're just gravity fed and basically overdosed me. Oh, so, uh, wow. I, yeah. So they don't know how long I was gone because I wasn't connected to anything. It was just uh, the morning rounds were starting, and a, uh intern was curious because they heard that I was a police officer, happened to peek in, and said, uh, that guy in there kind of looks blue so they revived me and I came back and uh you know I don't have a light at the end of the tunnel story I can tell you that so from being a believer at the time or at best a questioning believer definitely put me on the uh on more of a search to to get to the bottom of it yeah that that had an effect on more than one person
0: actually I'm pretty sure <laughs> <laughs> My yeah. dad had a similar experience. He was a, he was a heart transplant patient in the hospital, and they, um, they, they had him on medication. He slipped in and out. He wasn't really uh, dead for any amount of time, but uh, he, he was seeing things. And uh, one day he came back from when he finally got out of the hospital, and he asked me, you ever want to see what the light at the end of the tunnel is? And I was like, sure. And he turned the TV off. Yeah. And that was that was that was pretty much it for him. He's like, Yeah, here you go. This is what it looks like.
1: <laughs> there's he, a, he had a
0: few moments like that.
1: For uh for me it was uh very black and white, uh very gray. And uh I felt like uh there's a painting and I forgive me, I can't remember the name of it, it's the ladders. You want to talk about the intertwining ladders that go nowhere with the monks. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh basically imagine that like on a GIF where it was just constantly repeating. You know what I mean? So that it was that, a, a very strange uh, sensation. And that's the only thing that I was seeing was this kind of like spiraling of nothing repeating itself over and over again until I oh, wow. came out of it. So, uh, but yes, because I was a believer, I didn't give up and tried to find my faith again and did for a short period uh, because nobody bullshits you like you bullshit you, so I was convinced myself that uh, faith had to be real and uh, was a believer again for a short period before I really started to, you know, study things like the Bible and read the whole thing and uh, like a lot of other atheists, uh, the Bible will do it for you.
0: Yeah, that's that's it a lot actually. Um Alright, so I don't see
1: John in yet. Uh he said he clicked on. Let me make sure.
0: Yeah, I'd see him in my uh, my little chat window thingy here. Okay. I have a switchboard, but I, don't, I only see you and me. So um, it should pop do a pop-up window if he clicks the in, connect, and maybe he's not seeing the pop-up window. He might have pop-ups turned off, for example, because it okay. should pop up like a little dial phone thing. Yeah, if not, he can call like, phone. Alright, so
1: wow, that's
0: an awesome story. Okay, so um let's kick it off here since we're we're already sure. kinda of started. Um Okay, so I, I sent you a couple pre week questions and then I sent you some links on uh, what I was gonna cover. Did you get a chance to check any of that out?
1: Yeah, actually I read uh, your blog this morning is, which is uh Oh that's that's cheating kind of help me out the best. Yeah, well you know.
0: <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely cheating. No, actually, um every episode I try to put a blog post out there before I do the audio. Just to kinda of do things a little bit different. And uh yeah, so um yeah, I wouldn't blame you if you didn't want to read through the entire um Theological determinism ar- argument for the existence of free will—it's
1: kind of dry. Oh, no. no, I've read some of those before. I said uh, John's definitely much more the expert on free will. Uh, we were actually—we talked about this with uh, Dr. Julian Bugini. I don't know if you're oh, yeah. familiar with him. Oh uh, mm-hmm. Kind of talked to it about him, of course. Uh, From—I mean, John has and I hate to keep talking about John until he gets older, but uh he's definitely more schooled on the overall uh, determinism view of free will, uh much more than I am. So I mean when it comes to a theological standard or uh argument, uh I definitely could see the ins and outs of it. Uh, it's just another apologetic. You know? Uh I mean the argument Most of them are uh, Yeah. The argument uh, of course whenever Hitchens was asked about you know of course we have free will. We don't have a choice. So,
0: Exactly. Yeah. I love his uh, undetermined determinism <laughs> argument the way he put it. So epic. Okay. So what's, what's your take then on, on free will and uh, how would you define
1: it? Well, I mean, I think that there's two schools. Uh, and again, I'm not the expert but uh if you're looking at it from a theological perspective I think it's uh just a an elaborate uh contrived apologetic to try to explain the uh the soul or the absence scientifically of the soul uh to try to provide some sort of agency where we we don't really have evidence of agency so because if 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 there is no agency then the idea of a soul falls apart and where where do you have after that you know if you're sitting there trying to say that uh, you're a divine being or you're created by a divine being uh in the universe or that you existed in the universe before you were created on earth and that uh, god willed you into this world and you have some sort of agency in uh being that uh you're able to make decisions That uh, might result in uh, your internal internal damnation. You know, uh, you kind of have to have free will. You have to have a soul, and for not to have either one of those, it kind of all falls apart.
0: Yeah, it it definitely dissects itself when you start thinking about it, and that's one of the great many ways to make an atheist is to make them think. Um, So, you think it's connected if if free will is truly a thing, then it would have to be connected to the soul in some manner, right? And then in the case of free will, we should be able to choose whether or not we could be even born, right? If,
1: if in fact, we uh, existed outside the universe prior to, to being here, you know what I mean? Yeah, exactly.
0: Well, in, in that case, I, I actually made this argument on my blog that if uh, if we can choose where we're born into then why the hell would anyone ever choose the worst possible scenario being born to a child molesting abusive father or mother right (laughs) why would you choose that (laughs) If, if free will is a thing then why would you choose to live that way so you could torture yourself and be all thankful and praiseworthy that's good luck with that right um so there's another point um to this in a sense that free will is, is given to us in some way. And, um, if, if it's given to us, how, how does that work? Do you think?
1: Uh, but I mean, again, if it's given to us, I mean, then you have to say, is it back to the, are we back to the, uh, the, uh, yeah, the clockwork argument, you know, the, the clock creating argument that there has oh, to be that- creator.
0: Yeah, the creation uh, if you yeah. If you get a tornado in a in a trailer park, you get a seven forty seven eventually.
1: Right. I mean is that it magically appears. Yeah, I mean where does conscious or you know, what is is conscious the byproduct of our neurons, you know, and our our, our all the the uh, biology that's going on up in our brains. You know, is is that what consciousness is? It's just uh Reactionary to the stimuli that we have, the experiences we have, the knowledge we have—is that what consciousness is, or you know—is it a product of the soul, uh, assuming we have a soul? Right.
0: Have you Have you ever listened to any of the Deepak Chopra insanity? I don't know how else no, to describe not. it. The guy used to be a neurologist. He's actually pretty brilliant when it comes to surgery and whatnot. Kind of like Doctor Ben Carson, who was a really good famous neurologist, right? But then they believe some absolutely insane things at the same time. So it's like, yes. uh, how could you be good at your job and believe such nonsense? Um, in in Deepak Chopra's little realm of insanity, he he goes down the metallurgical and metaphysical arguments. Like uh, free will is determined to us and given to us outside of our own existence. And he gets into some really huge metallurgical arguments for the existence of a God, because we have this uh, existence outside our normal. He's a, he's a relativist sort of in a, in a way, well, not relativist. I would say he's probably um, a dualist. If you know what that is, he's, he believes both the body, the physical is real and so is the soul essentially where most atheists that I've met at least um including people like Sam Harris and whatnot, they're, they're not dualists, they're realists, meaning what's in the universe is what's in the universe, and there's nothing outside the universe because you can't prove it. It's an unfalsifiable claim. Why even bother, right?
1: Yeah. So um, it kind of
0: goes left field.
1: Yeah, I, I, I would say at this point, it, at best, I'm maybe what's called a soft determinist, term, uh, if I'm okay. using the proper terminology. Uh, I mean, I definitely see, I see the arguments for both. And, uh, you know, maybe it's just, uh, I don't know, maybe it's my self-awareness or uh, my uh, stubbornness to give in on anything beyond that, uh, to give up the fact that uh, I might just be a sack of meat. Just like, you know, you know what I mean? Uh, Yeah. That everything is just uh, a reaction and therefore I really don't have any agency. And that's you know i mean uh, looking at death is is fine uh i I love the death denial look at the world uh and the theories and all that, and I have no problem with that um maybe it's the whole uh what is it it's sometimes uh living life or truly living is scarier than death, so yeah an absence absolutely. of you know an absence of uh, saying that I have any control or any uh or the control that i uh that I believe I have. Uh, it's kind of a scary thought. It's definitely uh, one that I haven't pondered as much. Uh, so whenever uh, me and John had uh, uh, Dr. Bajini on and uh, we were doing the show prep for it and uh, even post that, me and John talked more because, like I said, he's definitely more the the, the guy that's interested in the, this topic and had more uh, more thought on it than, than I. Uh, it was a, something that I hadn't really explored or
0: thought about, so he's still trying to get in. I'm talking to him on Twitter. Oh, we got some ones. Maybe that's him. Let me let me bring him in. Hopefully it's him. John is that Hello. you?
2: It is indeed. Can you Oh, yeah, me? There he is. <laughs> Whoa.
0: <laughs> all right. It not your them. number shows up at all as all ones. So, I wasn't sure if that was you or not every once in a while we'll get a call from around the world and uh I normally just don't take calls cuz I don't know. I I'm shy, I guess, (laughs) but at least we got you on. That's fine. That's good. Finally.
2: Yay. Well, I apologize for the technical glitches. I've been serially downloading every browser that I can think of to try and connect, Uh, but eventually Skype worked. So um, three cheers for Skype and boo for browsers.
0: (laughs) Yeah. This browser tool, if you try to dial in, with your mic unplugged, that's the only time I've had issues with it. Um, I might actually just switch it over to Skype or or something else. Usually I just pre-record my stuff, but live chats are a little bit more fun sometimes. Uh, well, right.
2: well uh, as long as you can hear me, that's the main thing. Absolutely. So let's go over your bio real
0: quick, and then we'll bring you back into the conversation since we already started without you. Um, sure. So you are a CEO and co-founder of a software company over in Ireland, I assume, right? Yes. All right. That's that's absolutely awesome. I work in IT as well, so that's really fun stuff. All right. So uh, you do uh irish print media you also participate in radio debates and political lobbying as well wow so heavy activist over there then uh
2: yeah so the the vast majority of the work that we do relates to political lobbying actually um and i think that's probably a measure of the lack of secularism that we have here in ireland so we do uh, some activities around, for example, university debates on issues like, you know, where does morality come from and things like that. And uh, mm. also the topic for this evening, Does Free Will Exist? Um, But we just have such a, a large Roman Catholic legacy here in Ireland and so many laws that are influenced by Catholicism that the vast majority of our work really relates to challenging the um. The state imposition of Catholicism. Oh yeah, that's definitely a
0: huge legacy over there. I've heard some crazy stories about um, some of the stuff that happened down there. Like I heard one story. I don't. It was from a comedian, so who knows how accurate it was. But he's driving down <laughs> the street and he gets pulled over, and this guy pokes his head in and says, "Are you Protestant or Catholic?" And the guy answers. I, I'm an atheist. And he says, are you a Protestant atheist or a Catholic atheist?
2: <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yes, wait a second. Uh, lots of people tell that story. And it's um, actually, it, it's more true than uh, we would like to think. So especially oh, really? in the north of Ireland, you would um, – you'd be familiar with areas of Belfast from the news when we had the conflict, if you like, between the Irish and British over uh, Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. Um, And we've since had a peace process. And part of the peace process is uh, providing for power sharing. So the nationalist Catholic political parties uh, are forced to share power with the Protestant unionist political parties. So If you're a a politician, or even if you're just a citizen in Northern Ireland today, uh, you will get lots of forms to fill out. Um, What they want to do is track how many people from each of the two traditions are represented in each of these bodies. So they ask you, are you a Catholic or a Protestant? And if, like me, you're a non-believer and you, you say you're an atheist, what they want to know is, are you uh, an atheist who comes from a Catholic background, or an atheist who comes from a Protestant background? So oh it's not it it's not just some guy on the street who will ask you, "Are you a Catholic atheist or a Protestant atheist?" The state will ask you that, uh, oh which is just incredible. You know that um, uh, essentially they ask you which flavor of Christian sky fairy do you believe in. Um, and if you don't, if you say actually I don't believe in either of them, uh, they'll say okay. Well, which flavour of Christian sky fairy did your parents attempt to indoctrinate you with when you were younger? Uh, as if that's a you know a significant question for the state to understand. Uh, but there you go. I think um, uh, we can aspire to the level of secularism that you guys have in the states. I think.
0: Uh, we're not quite there yet, I don't think. 54% of the populace here still seem to think that angels are real. So we're getting there, but 54% is still a high number. That's half of 300 yeah, million well, people.
2: I tell you, if, if you'd have asked me uh, this time yesterday, are angels real? I would have laughed out loud. Um, but this is the week to break the curses. So uh, I was telling Seamus that... Um, and uh i think ye- yesterday i was in chicago and i flew home uh overnight so uh i got to experience some of the atmosphere in chicago about breaking the curse for the cubs uh but less than half an hour ago uh ireland played new zealand uh in a rugby test match in chicago and i think it's 108 years since the cubs won the world series uh well mm-hmm. It's 111 years uh, that Ireland has been playing New Zealand in rugby and we played each other I think 29 times and the sum total of Irish victories was zero until 10 minutes ago when we beat New Zealand for the first time in 111 years in Chicago. So uh, hey man, there's something in the air in Chicago this week. Uh, maybe it's the angels. I don't know what it is, but uh, <laughs> we'll have a bit more of it. I think that's that's absolutely awesome.
0: <laughs> All right, so uh, let's let's dive into it real quick. Since uh, I already had uh, hit up Seamus about his answer, let's ask you about uh, what is your take on free will? How do you
2: define it? Sure. Well, I think I have um, a a little harder position than Seamus, and uh, that probably means that Seamus's view is more mainstream. But I would be a, a hard determinist. I think. Uh, so if you look at the uh, all of the atoms in the universe, all of the atoms in the universe obey well understood laws of physics. So you you can look at uh, balls moving around a pool table. And Mm -hmm. um, all of those balls moving around the table just obey the laws of physics. There's no mystery about where they're going to go next when one ball bounces off the other. There's no mystery about which angle they're going to move off at and which speed they're going to move off at. And you can say exactly the same about every atom in the universe. Uh, All of the atoms in the universe are just bouncing off each other and interacting according to well-understood laws of physics. And to my mind, the atoms that are inside my skull uh, obey exactly the same laws of physics in exactly the same way as all of the other atoms in the universe. So um, there is no wriggle room really to allow, uh, uh, I guess, a ghost in the machine is the usual expression that people Used to describe some kind of spirit or soul or some incorporeal entity that's going to influence the decisions that are made in my brain. Uh, There's just no room for any ethereal spirit like that to influence the laws of physics. Um, If a carbon atom bounces off another carbon atom, that's described by uh, physical equations those physical, uh, physical equations apply just as much in my brain as they do anywhere else. So the, the brain's an incredibly complicated thing, and it's so complicated we can't calculate uh, what decision that I'm going to make uh, ahead of time. Um, but th- that's just a, a difficulty of computational intractability. If I had a hmm. sufficiently powerful computer, if I, I had Laplace's demon who could perform all of these calculations, I could easily look at all of the atoms inside your brain and Seamus's brain and decide exactly what you're going to do next. And um, So to my mind, you, me, Seamus, and everyone else are just wet meat computers. Uh, we have no more free will than an iPhone or a laptop. Um, what What your iPhone is going to do next is perfectly deterministic. So is your laptop. Um, and that's exactly how I view the human brain. Interesting. So you're you're also in
0: line with the, uh, I guess you could call it the philosophical discussion about fate, for example, where um, pretty much you're you're predestined by your physiology, your psychology, your chemistry. Um, limits are put upon you and you have no choice, really. You're kind of bound to course, as it were.
2: Um, Yes, well, there's a couple of wrinkles there, I think. Um, So I think I'm predestined by my genes and my experiences to have the brain that I have and the next inputs that my body experiences will result in sensory inputs to the various cortexes of my brain and there'll be a term deterministic output to that so and, and in that sense what you describe is exactly my view Um, but uh, the implication in the phrasing is a nihilistic one and um, so I, I don't think it's the case for example um, that determinism implies nihilism in the sense that um, hey there's just no point in whatever we do next because it's all determined by the laws of physics and there's no point in me getting out of bed and there's no point in me um, going off to do something useful with my life because hey we're all just atoms bumping against each other and Hmm. I think we are all atoms bumping against each other but um, that doesn't uh, argue against the conscious experiences that we have. So, for example, I just watched uh, Ireland beat the All Blacks and I had a fantastic time doing it. Uh, And uh, the the fact that I had that wonderful time uh, doesn't uh, be diminished in any sense by my knowledge that... um, that enjoyment was just the release of some particular electrochemicals in my brain. I still had a wonderful time. Um, So I I would liken it to, for example, I I have four kids and uh, I love my kids very much. Um, Now, you can describe to me the reasons in evolutionary biology why higher mammalian species have an affinity with their children. There are uh, natural selection-driven reasons why uh, higher primates have an affinity with their kids. I-, I don't love my children any less just because I know there's an evolutionary driver to that emotion that I feel. And similarly, because that emotion can be understood by the neurons in my brain experiencing particular electric chemicals, it, it doesn't make that emotion any less real. So it, it's still the case that uh, you and I, as people who work in the software industry, for example, um, I mean, software isn't going to write itself. Uh, we still have to get up and do the work and write the software and innovate the features and it's not going to happen on its own uh, so there's no point falling back on nihilism in the sense that uh, hey we're all just atoms bumping against each other um yeah. against that it doesn't it doesn't mean that just because we have a particular motivation to do things in life that um that motivation has to come from some kind of homunculus that lives behind our eyes that's pulling the levers Uh, that motivation comes from exactly the same kind of emotional experiences that are driven by electrochemistry uh, running across our neurons.
0: Yeah, it would be nice if software wrote itself, but then we'd start worrying about Skynet, I think, at that point. (laughs)
2: Uh, Yeah, well... uh, 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 That's another very good question, uh, as I understand it, software is writing itself in several uh, pretty scary applications at the minute. So Sam Harris and Elon Musk and Stephen Hawking are all getting very worried about these things. Yeah, it's not to the level that they think it is.
1: Though. I like to say that uh, nihilism uh, sounds really exhausting.
0: <laughs> it does and and i think it actually sounds a little bit depressing as well if if you think about it it takes about it takes the humanity out of the equation in in some cases or actually in most cases and uh mm-hmm. i don't I don't really subscribe to it either um the way the way i define free will, free will as i have not defined it is um that it's an illusion it's it's um as i've said in in other forums that um, religion often attempts to answer things that we just don't understand. And they do it repeatedly, and they've done it since the Bronze Age, and really it was to quell our fear of the unknown. Um, in the case of free will, they wanted to, to me, the the only reason it exists today is that um, religious people, the religious leaders in particular, wanted to explain why dirtbags were dirtbags. And so obviously they're acting in a way that is against their deities, commandments, or whatever. It doesn't matter which god it is, they all have the same kind of concept. And so the way they tried to explain it is people have uh, the freedom to choose to reject the tenets and beliefs, and therefore they act like douchebags, and they get their punishment because they are rejecting, um, rejecting their deity, in a sense, to say that they they made this decision. They have the free agency, the free will to make these decisions, and therefore they decided to reject their god in particular. And so this is how they ex- explain um, people that act in contrary to their own beliefs, or believe in different gods, for example, or what have you. And and they just kind of didn't understand the social structures that go behind deities, for example. All India believes in Hindu um you got the Asians that have the buddhist philosophies which were hindu in the middle east got their own little slice of pie then you got odinism up in the corner on the north and then on the other side in the americas with the natives you had the spirit beasts and the and connection with the earth and that kind of thing so theologists didn't yes. quite understand what the hell was going on and so they made something up to explain it
2: yes that's true and um I think the arguments for free will also benefit from the fact that we all subjectively feel that we experience free will on a day-to-day basis. So mm-hmm. when someone asks me, do I want tea or coffee, I feel like I'm making a, a subjective decision based on my own volition. Um, mm-hmm. When Ireland were playing the uh, the All Blacks earlier today... The Irish players had the choice of uh, kick or pass, and they, I'm sure, felt like they had their own free will to make their own decision. Um, And that's a a sensible way to think about the world. Um, You know, it wouldn't make any sense if someone asked me, do I want chocolate or strawberry uh, ice cream? it wouldn't make any sense for me to answer uh, in the terms of, well, let me wait a moment and experience how each of my synapses are firing and I will tell you what my, uh, what my neurons would prefer. Uh, I mean, it would just makes so much more sense to talk about free agents as having free will. Um, but when we drill down into the details, um, I think we can see that there's no more space for free will in our brains than there is in uh, our laptops or our smartphones. So uh, that, that's really a function of humanity just knowing more about the universe now than we did 2,000 years ago. Uh, it, it wouldn't be sensible to expect um, Caved dwellers from the desert who were scrawling homophobic, misogynist passages uh, mm-hmm. on bits of paper 2,000 years ago to understand the um, at the quantum scale what is happening inside their brains. So I think it's, it's it's perfectly understandable how people came to that understanding because that's just our subjective experience. But um I think Seamus mentioned this. Um apologies again for my technical difficulties in getting online, but I could hear you two guys talking. Um <laughs> and I think uh, Seamus mentioned this kind of um experience that we have. I mean it makes perfect sense to understand that as free will. Uh but it's um Once we we know more about how the brain works and how the mind works, then it's just uh, not compatible anymore to consider that kind of uh, spiritual free will or some kind of decision that a soul makes as compatible with the laws of physics.
0: Um, John, did, did you want to add any, or uh, excuse me, no, John, uh, <laughs> Seamus, did you want to add anything to that since he, he brought you in there about, um, the, the realm of ignorance as it were, and how we kind of evolved today to believe this?
1: Well, I, I would definitely say that, uh, I still remain ignorant, uh, on a lot of issues, including this. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I would say that the, the biggest hurdle is evidence. Uh, evidentiary findings, and uh, in the existence of the soul, uh, the non-existence of the soul. I mean, at this point, we don't have anything that uh, confirms it. Uh, I think all the evidence that uh, people try to cite for a soul have been uh, fairly debunked, uh, especially from the Middle Ages and onward. Outside of that, if we're just left with a determinist approach or that's all really we have and we are uh, self-writing software or however you want to uh, determine it, then uh, what happens from this point on? If we in fact uh, conclude that uh, that is in fact what is happening, that we don't have any actual agency as it, as it is, uh, that everything is reactionary and coded into our, our experiences and uh, how our mind is laid out, then we uh, do we get to a point of like uh, uh, I believe was the film uh, called uh, Minority Report? The film yeah, like where they, they know Tom the crimes Hanks before predicting uh, the before, future, yeah. where they know that you know the crimes before they happen. Yeah. So is it going to be to a point to where if we can measure this uh, by mapping everybody's neurons and stuff that we can kind of predetermine how, what their reaction to such things will be? Uh, is it going to be that uh, we're going to determine that uh, people have a uh, uh, a not a incorrectly willed uh, mind upon mind, uh, you know, to exist in society? I mean, if that's the case.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think if you look at the granularity of fMRI scans at the minute, um, perhaps uh, the precogs in Minority Report are a little bit distant, but. Uh, certainly things like uh, lie detectors aren't that far off, I don't think. Um, so at the minute when, when people talk about taking a polygraph, I think it's the, um, the amount of sweat in their hands and their pulse and things like that. Uh, but you can get a much finer granularity of understanding in terms of what's going on in someone's mind by looking at fMRI. So because yeah,
1: um, lie detectors only, uh, when you're looking at that just from experience you're looking yeah. for signs of stress mm-hmm. you're looking yep. at signs of stress and discomfort, so it's not not necessarily a clear indicator of of somebody being dishonest so sorry. Yeah, because there's,
0: yeah. a, there's people there out there that actually can beat the polygraph test because um, say say for example, a narcissist probably could beat it because they absolutely believe the bullshit they're they're, they're putting out right right um, uh, sociopaths and and um sociopaths in a minor response because they actually do know what they're doing is wrong, they just don't care. Um, psychopaths cannot tell what they're doing is right or wrong, so they would also pass it because there would be no indication that they would even know that what they just did was wrong, right? Yep.
2: Yeah, and, and they, the, could, the other they also believe they uh, False memories. So um, the, the, the phenomenon of people developing false memories, I think, is well understood. So uh, there, there's the prospect that you can be honestly recounting what you believe is the truth, and someone can look at the finest granularity of your brain and say, yes, this person believes what they're recounting is the truth, um, but your brain can just construct false memories. I think that's um, that's a, a well-established phenomenon. Mm-hmm. But It, it it's not, certainly is. None of those things imply free will to my mind. Uh, so um, here, here's the thought experiment that always helps to bring this issue into focus for me. Um, so I, I've uh, I've posed this question to Seamus before. Um, so let's say, Dr. G, you're walking through uh, a market and you see that the fruit stall holder has his back turned. And your brain immediately calculates, I could just reach out my hand, lift an apple, keep walking, and no one would know. No one would know apart from me. Now, the religious person would tell you that's a sin, and your soul will be accountable for that sin at the end of days. But according to your physiology, We know what happens when you reach out your hand to grab the apple. Um, Something happens in your motor cortex, in your brain. Your motor cortex sends a signal down your arm that causes certain muscles to contract, which causes your arm to reach out and grab the apple. Now, the question is, if your soul is going to be accountable for making that decision to reach out your arm and grab the apple how does your soul interact with your brain so I mean quite literally we're talking about electrons at this point so in terms of neuroscience and neurophysiology we know how the motor cortex creates an electrical potential across nerves you're in you're your body and Can you hear me any better now? Can you hear me any better now? I can hear you. Uh, Good. So, uh, yes, we, we know how the motor cortex creates an electrical potential across your nervous system that sends a nerve signal down your arm and causes muscles in your arm to contract and reach out your arm and grab the apple. So in the case where that electrical potential is caused by antecedent physical events, in the case where we are just determined beings obeying the laws of physics, that makes absolutely perfect sense. But if you want to tell me that determinism is not all that there is, if you want to tell me that we are not determined beings, we are not like a laptop We are not like a smartphone. We are more than that. You have to tell me how a soul, a spirit, a consciousness, something incorporeal, something ethereal, how does that interact with the electrons that send the electrical signal down the nerve endings to the muscles in my arm? And if you cannot explain how something ethereal interacts with electrons, then you have a real difficulty explaining how we have free will because electrons obey the laws of physics. If if we all obey the laws of physics, then it makes perfect sense how that happens. But if you want to tell me that there is free will there is something more than physics going on in my brain, then you have to tell me how does that something more, how does that free will, how does that spirit, that consciousness influence electrons?
0: Hmm. I I like that twist on there. Um, So in in counter, I think um, we've got about 15 minutes left. So let's, uh, let's go down this road a little bit since we're talking about um physics and pretty much saying the free will's bum kiss there there is a possibility um if we discount the existence of the supernatural um I was once watching a it was a interview conversation between dr Boghossian and um, uh why can I not think of his name right now um Wow, everybody knows who he is, and I can't even think of his stupid name that's it's awesome i I love it when my brain stops working
2: um well we're, we're allowed to make this joke once in the in the conversation, so uh don't worry, it's not you that can't think of its name. <laughs> it's just the laws of physics in your brain uh, disallowing <laughs> you from thinking uh, uh what his name is.
0: I follow him on Twitter too. It's pretty sad um Dan Barker. No, it's our biologist out of the oh. forest. I can't think of his Jerry name. Coyne. Uh, Richard Dawkins. But, yeah, it's Dawkins. Thank you. Oh, okay. gosh. I could think Richard. I couldn't think of his last name. I was just like, uh, I hate it when I draw a blank. Anyways, so um, it was an interview, actually, between Dr. Pagosian and Dr. Dawkins, and they were discussing what could possibly give them evidence um, of the existence of the supernatural or God. And um, this kind of aligns with our with our pieces of free will in, in some sense that um, look for, and kind of the same thing that you're pointing out, is that they would look for some sort of evidence that would prove the existence of the supernatural. And um, they sat there and thought about it and like, well, I don't know what would account for evidence of the supernatural. And I would go a little bit further with that to say that I've actually had this argument with people on Twitter a few times that if Mm -hmm. you're going to have the proof of the supernatural, how can you tell that it is the supernatural and not the natural? There was a, another guy named uh, Stephen Malone. He's a YouTuber that has his own podcast and whatnot as well. And he was arguing with the guy about um, how can atheists actually exist? And he sounds like he was arguing with the Calvinist of all people. And, um, he he's like well show me anything in the universe that exists without matter anything at all if you can do yeah. that then you're demonstrating the possibility for the supernatural because the supernatural transcends our universe so they claim so therefore it must exist without matter show me something that exists without matter any any day now so there there's that fun trap but i wanted to actually bring you down a, a little bit different road that, um, uh, give me one second.
2: Yeah, I think that's, um, a, I mean, that's a, a strong argument in terms of describing here's the matter that is, um, uh, described by the laws of physics, and here's the set of forces that are described by the laws of physics. And mm-hmm. if you can describe anything outside of this a description of the universe provided to us by physicists, then by definition you have something supernatural, something beyond the the laws of nature. And we know that there are some things that exist beyond the laws of nature today. So, for example, we don't know what dark matter is because um, it, it seems to be all around us and just not interact with us at all. Uh, We don't know what dark energy is because it seems to be uh, throughout the universe, but it just applies on such uh, enormous scales that it's not relevant for our daily lives today. But um, it's the same as the... um, this dichotomy that we always hear about between, uh, for example, Newton's laws of physics and Einstein's laws of physics, that Mm -hmm. uh, Newton's laws of physics allow us to, for example, um, the Apollo missions to the moon, we can send rockets to the moon, and all of the calculations to achieve that are performed using Newtonian physics. And where we see the wrinkle uh, and where Newtonian physics looks just like if you like, a um a special case in its own domain of applicability is when we mm-hmm. look at the orbit of Mercury. So you can't quite explain the orbit of Mercury, Mercury correctly using Newtonian physics. You need to use Einstein's laws of uh, physics because Mercury is so close to the sun and gravity is so much stronger there. So um, at the domain of applicability on planet Earth, Everything that Einstein, uh, that Newton said is true, and in fact, even out beyond the moon, everything that Newton said is true. And then we need to look at larger scales in order to say, well, Newton was just an approximation that uh, applies here on Earth, but when we look at larger scales or very small scales, like quantum scales then the Newtonian approximations break down and we need these other laws. So we we can see the same things true today where at the levels of interaction between matter that we experience on a day-to-day basis, that the laws of physics are true, but at very, very tiny levels of interaction, for example, dark matter, uh, dark matter passes through us uh, all the time, but it just doesn't interact with us, so we can't measure it. So we know there's some kind of broader theory that we haven't yet discovered that accounts for dark matter and dark energy. But at, at the level of interaction that is relevant for us in our daily lives, then the laws of physics that we have are correct. So every single experiment Every ever done on planet Earth all agree with the current standard model of particle physics and the current standard theoretical laws of physics. So if you want to say, I have discovered something that is beyond that, you either have to say, well, it's a, it's beyond that at some level, that just isn't relevant They are daily lives. So, for example, mm-hmm. uh, we don't know what happens at the center of black holes, but what happens at the center of black holes isn't really relevant to whether or not you choose tea or coffee or vanilla or chocolate. So mm-hmm. w- whether or not you choose tea or coffee or vanilla or chocolate is driven by the laws of physics applying inside your brain. And we know the laws of physics that apply inside your brain. So if you think that there's something happening inside your brain or in your consciousness that is driven by more the laws of physics, then you're saying the laws of physics are wrong. So if you want to say that free will uh, is driven by something like uh, an incorporeal spirit or an ethereal homunculus that lives behind your eyes, If you want to say that free will is something more than the laws of physics, then you're saying all those people in white coats in CERN at the Large Hadron Collider have sadly wasted their lives because they do not understand how particle physics works. Uh, So, I mean, there's just no way to reconcile the libertarian concept of free will with the laws of physics as we understand them today, you either have to say physics is wrong or else free will is an illusion. Um, yep. But that, 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 that's the argument in terms of whether free will exists. But your last blog, Dr. G, I think raised a, a, a separate issue, which is mm-hmm. um, uh, even if free will does exist, how does that interact with, the divine plan if you like so yeah um if i can just read a sentence here from the roman catholic catechism and this pertains to your last uh blog uh oh, so fine. the roman catholic catechism says the universe was created in a state of journeying towards an ultimate perfection yet to be attained to which god has destined it we call divine providence the disposition by which God guides his creation towards this perfection. By his providence, God protects and governs all things which he has made, reaching mightily from one end of the other of uh, the earth to the other and ordering all things well. For all are open and laid bare to his eyes, even those which are yet to come into existence through the free action of creatures. So what the Catholic Church is saying is that um, God has a divine plan. God's divine plan already understands all the decisions that we're going to make. And all the decisions that we're going to make are part of his divine plan. So how can we have free will if God already knows what we're going to do? And that, 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 that's just fundamentally contradictory and i think that was the point of your last blog yep it certainly
0: was so there's actually some some interesting piece in there and and, um we only have about three minutes left so i want to i want to bring this in and then uh we'll hit up a little bit of it and i do like a 10 to 20 minute after show so um for those that actually download the podcast rather than listen to it live um I studied a little bit into um, the quantum level of physics since we're still kind of on that subject and how mm-hmm. physics itself kind of just blows free will into oblivion. But there's a there's a piece in the quantum level of quantum physics. It's it's centered around chaos theory, which was also designed from um, <laughs> the guy that actually did, uh, developed chaos theory was a meteorologist. He watched weather essentially, and There is a um, overarching pattern, if you will, within all of nature. And what you just read kind of points it out, but in a religious way, which is very entertaining all in its own, that they had it right, but they had the wrong concept. And that is to say that um, things in nature naturally progress toward order rather than chaos. And mm-hmm. they, they start in a chaotic state. They start in a very sporadic um, things bouncing around, atoms bouncing atoms. But eventually, some of those atoms might connect and collect. And then from, for example, to oxygen, meat, and hydrogen, now we have water. Um, that type of um, chaos um, moves in, in a very interesting way where um, – All the disorder and disarray that we experience in our lives um, eventually pushes toward a a natural order in the progress of physics, at least, but not necessarily in our own decisions. And the the point I think I was making in in part of my blog was um, that uh, in in philosophy, they tried to explain this idea because we see it. We see all this. Chaos, and then there's some people that actually see the order in the chaos, and those people end up being really smart physicists most of the time. Um, <laughs> others become preachers because they say, "Look at all this order and all this pattern. I have no idea what it is, but I'm going to give it uh, to my deity." In other words, and and um, it, it's great that we can see it, but then it's also nice to understand it as well. And I think that's that's something that we miss often in in our in our daily lives i guess you could say as you put it that um the decisions we make we can also predict at least to a point um the outcomes of those decisions which is you know in in business terms that's risk analysis that's um assessing uh decision points before you make them weighing in all the evidence before you move forward kind of like a business acumen type thing and -hmm. because we can make those future predictive orders um we're, is that necessarily free will, or is that just understanding the causal effect of reality? And I think that's more that we understand the causal effect of reality because we can make predictive models. Something that yep. um, we have—that's not that's not free will. That's just causal determinism at that point. You're you're making a decision. Whether or not you make that decision affects the outcomes of other things, and it it kind of cascades out there. Um, but it's not necessarily like the butterfly effect where, um, if you're familiar with it, if a butterfly flaps its wing, you get a tsunami in Japan, right? Mm -hmm. For no apparent reason whatsoever. They're not even connected.
1: Um. also an awful movie. (laughs) Yeah. That movie was horrible.
0: So, um, John, or, um, dang it, I keep mixing you two up. Um, Samus, you, you, uh we had some discussion points that we didn't talk about in this particular segment. And the recording piece is now over. It's still recording, but the live session is now over. So this is all recorded stuff. And I like to make a after post segment for those that actually download the podcast and listen to it. Um, So in here um, we've talked about um, physics a whole heck of a lot. Um, But you, you happen to have a, uh, if I'm reading this right, you actually have a minor in psychology. Is that a minor at a master's degree level or is it a minor? At uh, bachelor's
1: bachelor's level currently, I'm uh, working towards getting my master's. Excellent. You're going to go straight for so. PhD. Uh, I'm und- undecided on that. I don't know. I'll, I'll be uh, a little bit too long in the tooth if I go that far, but we'll see. We'll see. <laughs> I have
0: many a friend that's gone too long in the tooth and got their PhD anyways. Um, I hit 38 this year. I actually only finished my PhD last year. Wow. And uh, yeah, that's half my life's over. And I finally decided to get my crap together. That's what that is. Uh, You still um, got it.
1: You got it together a little bit before me, not by much, but a little bit
0: before me. (laughs) I, I got a few friends though. They, they pushed 60 plus and still went after it. So it's, it's a noble endeavor nonetheless. So in your experience, and and your in um, your knowledge, uh, seeing what you've seen and experience what you experience, would you align more with um, people making bad decisions, or do you think it's a causal effect of their environment um, toward the you know the behaviors that we've seen and the um, uh, you're in the states right? If I'm reading this yes. right, yes, yes, yeah. So all the stupid crap that we've seen in the in the news and whatnot lately do you think that's a an act of free will or is it a causal determination from several events that's happened over the last say 20 30 years
1: well i, I think you could definitely make the argument for causal effect uh i mean it depends on what we're looking at specifically uh i mean in the states you can look at the uh, the atrocity that's going to happen one way or the other this Tuesday night. On, uh, on the 8th. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, you could kind of make an argument uh, as to why we're stuck with uh, these fine people, uh, for lack of better words. Uh, a lot of censored there. Um, <laughs> and the uh, the insanity behind both of the candidates, uh, just for example. Uh, I would say uh, – the the Trump train is uh, a result of uh, right-wing uh, bashing of Obama and uh, other progressives, although I would argue whether or not Obama's a progressive, and that's another argument for another day. But uh, if you're clamoring that 24-7, you know, especially on certain outlets, uh, for eight-plus years, you're going to have a backlash. I mean it is absolutely a cause-and-effect situation there. Uh, I mean, as far, I mean, and and then you have the other, uh, situations, unfortunately, uh, involving, uh, race, uh, the Black Lives Matter movement. Uh, I mean, whenever, every other day, a black man, uh, is getting shot, or a black woman even, uh, is getting shot by a police officer or, uh, or even other black, uh, people, it becomes an issue, you know? And that's, uh. Unfortunately, is uh, between that and uh, what we have seen with Trump and his followers, kind of exposed uh, the real race problem that uh, I, for one, uh, wasn't uh, really fully uh, ready to admit we had. You know, I don't know about anybody else. I wasn't quite uh, quite up to speed. I guess Uh, living where I do, I don't see a lot of that. So, but uh, definitely see the the ebb and flows of these things. Uh, you know, whether it be uh propaganda or otherwise.
0: So yeah, I I uh I grew up in Utah.
1: So um
0: being an atheist growing up in Utah is, is a fun experience and I, I definitely <laughs> welcome it to everybody that it's like being an atheist in the middle of Rome. It's just an entertaining <laughs> experience. But um in their in their first book, it's called the Book of Nephi and their Book of Mormon. There's a specific segment in there, and it's always used against them to call every freaking um, believer in Joseph Smith a racist. Essentially, it's easy to do because if you buy in the Book of Mormon, it's the perfect word and all that fun stuff. Well, right at the beginning, he says God cursed people with black skin. Um, there you go, buddy.
1: <laughs> you believe <laughs> yeah, that to yeah. be
0: true? Guess what that means about you? Um, so in that in that sense, since you brought up a couple other things, I, I follow the social justice um segments which really i find it to be mob mentality over actual justice because justice would not care about any of that kind of stuff
1: so you're not Um, a social justice warrior
0: i avoid that stuff like the plague no it doesn't make any sense to me because social justice is the same thing that people used back in oh 150 years ago to burn witches yeah i mean it that it's not justice that's messed up mob mentality um now, there's another lady that's a previous cop. She actually moved to Germany. Her name, uh, she goes by Tree of Logic on YouTube. I've been watching her quite a bit. She's a former officer as well. And um, she, she's dead set against the Black Lives Movement and finds. And she did some history reading into their stuff and found that um, they, they're counter to what psychology says about uh, the nuclear family, if you want to call it that. Um, they actually want to build a matriarchy according to their website. They want destruction of the control of males in their society. It's pretty uh, amazing stuff. But according to psychology and uh, being our own deterministic brains, if we if we follow free will and follow that, um, it's a more chaotic approach than an orderly approach, I would think. Um, of course, if you try to apply free will to that... Um, issue there's to say like the nuclear family versus um a feminist utopia for example
1: um yeah i'll be honest i was unaware that that was their their ground point i would never heard that
0: before if you pull up their website it's entertaining stuff from one end to the other they start with the um creed of what they're kind of demanding or what they're about and then they have a picture um about um, black lives matter in particular and then right below it it's um, destroying the patriarchy males are horrible it's, it goes right down feminist rhetoric and was like oh well tell us how you really feel
1: it's awesome okay
0: so yeah so Logic did a, a whole series on it um i actually don't know her real name she's a former officer So choose yourself anyways um Bringing up the the whole whole section of social justice, um, and I think that encompasses anything that kind of doesn't fit into the norms of regular society. I'm not sure how to put it. It's like a progressive – a lot of people call it the regressive left, so it's all meant to be progressive, (laughs) but it is in fact heading the opposite direction.
1: Yeah, yeah, me and John are or are sadly more than informed on the regressive left. Uh <laughs> unfortunately so. Yeah, they're they're the wing nuts. We've we've had a lot of encounters with them. Uh I've things. had a,
0: they block for things up very quickly. <laughs>
1: oh yeah. Uh uh definitely with our uh some of our podcasts, some of our blogs. In fact, uh I would argue that some of the well known atheists uh tend to follow that that. Line or toe that line, I should say. And, uh, crazy. yeah. Uh, I mean, Steve Shives has kind of got no. blasted for that.
0: He uh, he blocked me instantly. And I, I, talk, yeah. I was talking to him about his, uh, he was doing an uh, atheistries Islam book. And I was like, all right, yeah. this should be pretty cool. So I recommended him one that was an Islam apologist book. He's like, yeah, it's okay. And like, next day, he blocked me. I'm like, really, dude? All right. Yeah.
2: <laughs> so did yeah. It. Yeah, it's, let me let me give you a taste of some of the uh, regressive left logic that Seamus and I have experienced. <laughs> oh, so I'd love to
1: hear we, that. Uh, we
2: we previously previously suggested that um, there is no God. Now, uh, what we what was explained to us was that um, in, for example, uh, eastern parts of the globe there wasn't the same experience of the enlightenment that came in the middle ages to Europe and uh, subsequent to that to North America, whereby there was a a large influence of science and um, Mm -hmm. uh, other similar views whereby secularism became a popular motive in uh, Europe and North America. So, If you say that there's no God, what you're doing is you're promoting this uh, Western white perspective that is driven by all of the privilege that comes from scientific research, whereby in (laughs) areas of the Middle East and Asia, they didn't have the same kind of enlightenment. So they don't have the same realization that there is no God there. So uh, by saying there is no God, really, that you're engaging in discursive violence against people from those other parts of the world who typically have darker skin. And thereby, discursive violence enables actual violence. So by saying there is no God, you are responsible for violence against people with dark skin. So if someone asks you, is there a God or not? If you were to answer, no, there is no God. You have the blood on your hands of white supremacists who are killing people with brown skin purely for racist motives. So it was explained to us in excruciating detail (laughs) that That (laughs) just by saying that we do not believe any gods exist. We are white supremacists who are responsible for the murder of people with dark skin. That's that's
0: absolutely amazing. So are they world champions at shoots and ladders? Because it sounds a lot like they just went down the slippery slide of Wow. Yeah. So I haven't I haven't experienced that one yet. That's amazing and, to me. And
1: they're not they're not world champions, okay, because everybody gets a participation trophy at the end of the game.
2: Oh yeah,
0: that's true. It's gotta be the Care Bear champion my
2: my my reaction to that was well hang on you're you're engaging in discursive violence against atheists. Does that mean that every time a Bangladeshi blogger gets hacked to death, you are directly responsible for that because of course, discursive violence enables actual violence. <laughs> I bet they blocked you right after that. <laughs> Block exactly blocked yeah yeah if, if you actually
0: hit them with logic they they implode upon themselves so here here's why i bring them up and i'm glad that you brought them up and i'm glad that we align on this i actually talked to a couple other people that are in the atheist community that actually do identify with some of this logic um one of them I was discussing uh, with her in a, in a private conversation about rape culture and I asked her, have you ever seen a prison situation? And um, same as you could probably speak to this. Cause I'm sure that, you know, um, yeah. and my sister actually works as a nurse at the prison too. And I used to, I do jujitsu and I've done martial arts for the last 20 years. I've trained the nice. cops. So I know this to be true, that if you put a rapist or a child molester in general population, they will not last 24 hours. They will be dead. (laughs) And you won't know who did it, and it will probably be a whole group, and chances are they will be raped first and then dead.
1: More than likely. He he fell repeatedly. We couldn't stop him. Yeah, that's usually what happens.
0: He fell repeatedly up up the stairs and back down it again. Right. I I don't don't know what happened. His neck. I don't know, dude. Uh, You know. But my point is, if we had a rape culture, that would not happen. That guy would be the the yard's boss. (laughs) Because if celebrated, they wouldn't be murdered instantly. They would be celebrated instantly. It would be the exact opposite experience.
1: I mean, I'm not. I would come against on the to out uh, totally block anything feminists have to say. Okay. Uh, you know, I mean, I definitely think that they have some good points. And I definitely yeah, so. think that, uh, you know, some of the things, I mean, we have a, you know, for Christ's sakes, we have a presidential candidate that's talking about grabbing people's pussy. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, you yeah, know, that's I, the I, it's a class act not, right there. Yeah, so it's not really a hard line to say that maybe there are some uh, points to the rape culture idea. I do think that uh, like a lot of things that uh, get pushed uh, and now I'm not going to say paci- uh, specifically by feminists uh, tend to be overblown and uh, mm-hmm. sometimes uh, they take it a little too far, like any extreme movement. Um, the, the
0: thing, the thing I think they align with, if it, I'm trying to work out uh, a set, cause I'm going to write a book about this, I think, but um what I've noticed, at least on the psychological level, is they share a lot of things with all other ideologies. And yeah. um, one of the points I'm trying to make um, when I actually figure out how I'm going to write it down is um, if we compare it to traditional ideologies, your Christianity, your Abrahamic, um, Hindu, um, Buddhists, you name it. Um, one of the things I notice is they take um, a truth. Even you know just a, a minor truth that, for example, rape happens. Obviously, it does. It's a horrible, difficult thing, and um, they they take some statistics from there, at least in their culture, and then they expand and conflate it. They drop out specifics, leave it generalizable enough, then and try to twist it into their ideology. Well, theism does kind of the same thing. They uh, a minor truth, for example. If you look at any of the stories in the in the Bible, for example, there's probably a grain of truth to it. And um, for example, if we take Noah's flood, at the end of the Noah's flood, there was the rainbow at the end, saying God felt bad for killing everybody. Good for him. Um, but if you if you take that small little piece and you and you and you twist it just a little bit, what you'll see is um, that. Really, what they were trying to explain to a child, more than likely, is why does a rainbow exist? Well, rain happens. And if there's a lot of rain and the rain clears, they notice that a rainbow happens. So what they do, they made a story about it. So they took a few pieces of truth and conflated it into their own narrative. At least, when I start to do an analysis of things like that, that's what I kind of notice That there's usually a grain of truth in everything that's sput out.
1: True. Outside of the plagiarism of Gilgamesh <laughs>
0: but yeah right yeah, <laughs> yeah. But, well you know you can take anything and spin it kind of funny and you'll get something brand
1: new I guess yeah I mean as long as there's dogma in your ideology uh, then I think you can make that argument uh, and that's I
0: think what, I think they have some too and that's yeah. you know I'm trying to pinpoint specific attributes that because um, if you've read Spinoza's ethics which is the guy that d- pretty much invented deism um, back in like the 16th century. Uh, he said that you can know God by all or you can know things by their attributes which is true you can't you can know a rock is a rock by um, its texture its feel its look you know there's there's attributes that will tell you yes it's a rock um, so too can you do this to other things So that's what I'm trying to do in the case of uh, ideologies is we got a kind of general description, but now I'm trying to like put some dead kind of bullet points that you can just determine. Yeah. Th- there's something wrong
2: here. And, yeah. And, and, and uh, unless you're a Roman Catholic and yeah. which it might be wine and it might be blood and it's really hard to tell. Um, and, <laughs> but it, I think... Um, they kind of taste the I same.
0: It's kind of copper
2: milk. Exactly that. Uh, but uh, the point to make about uh, Gen Pop, actually, where rapists are bad treated in uh, prisons pretty reliably, mm-hmm. um, what that brings to my mind is the point that Richard Carrier made when we last had him on our podcast. Uh, and it's the, the Christian doctrine of... All these nasty people who don't accept Jesus as their personal saviour, they're going Mm -hmm. to be sent to hell and tortured by Satan. And this is what uh, lies in store for atheists like you, me, and Seamus. Uh, And Richard Carrier was saying, well, hang on. I mean, surely we're Satan's guys. We're the guys who reject Jesus. Why would Satan want to torture us? Sure, surely we're yeah. going to party party on down with Seamus, with, with Satan. The, guy, yep. the people Satan doesn't like are Mother Teresa and Padre Pio. Uh, so, like, they're his enemy. We're his buddies. Why Why would Satan want <laughs> to torment us?
0: It's a, it's a valid point, actually. Uh, that's. I'm going to have to use that argument on somebody one of these times.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, oh, you threaten me with hell. Things.
0: Why? I'm Satan's pal, according to you. Why would he torture me? <laughs> oh, but, but Satan's not in charge of hell, according to the Bible or something. He just
2: lives there or some exactly. crap. See, uh, Satan lives in the firmament, isn't that right? Satan lives in yeah. kind of the, the lowest level of, uh, of heaven. But, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, it's one of those kind of super obvious things that never occurred to me until yes. someone pointed it out. Why yes. would those in hell want to torture people who rejected Jesus? Surely those in hell uh, love the people who rejected Jesus. It's the same thing as uh, we we um, we had Robert Price on our podcast before and he pointed mm-hmm. out something. It just... Um, Never occurred to me before, but once you said it, it's so obvious. It's the Nativity story when um, uh, Mary and Jesus are in Bethlehem and Jesus has just been born, and Herod is sending his soldiers to perpetrate the massacre of the innocents. He's going to kill all the children under a certain age, and the angel appears that Joseph. In uh, Bethlehem, and says, "Well, you better take Mary and Jesus, and flee out to Egypt." And that's what they do, and they escape the massacre of the innocents. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Robert Price says, "Why, why didn't the angel tell anyone else in Bethlehem? Was the angel perfectly happy for all of the other one-year-old babies in Bethlehem to be slaughtered, <laughs> like?" Why didn't Mary and Joseph mention this to anyone else? That they had had divine information that, hang on, folks, there's a bunch of soldiers coming, they're going to slaughter all the babies. If anyone has a young uh, a young child, you better get offside quick or else your child will be run through at the point of a sword. Nobody thought to mention this to anyone else. They just all scarpered off quickly. Um, I mean, if... Uh, If anyone on this conversation had advanced knowledge that such a massacre was imminent and refused to tell anyone else, you would be rightly put in jail. You would be locked up for not telling people that you knew this thing was coming. Uh, But apparently it was perfectly okay for the angel Gabriel just to tell Joseph to take Great. Jesus out of Bethlehem and let all the other babies be massacred that was that was exactly what Gabriel was supposed to do. Uh, this is one of those things it seems perfectly obvious that that's just inherently immoral behavior on behalf of the archangel Gabriel but uh, nobody ever pointed that out and it just never occurred to me until uh Robert Price mentioned it. Uh, as soon as someone mentions it, you can see that's just overtly immoral behavior.
1: Oh, absolutely.
2: That's an awesome one, too. <laughs> yeah.
1: Not, not that right, God's well, ever been immoral before, but, you know.
0: <laughs> yeah, you know, wiping out an entire planet, it, it works out well. Oh, so well. But, you know, evidence says otherwise. That's why I love following the evidence. So... um, Thank you guys for joining me. I certainly appreciate um, you saying yes and, and bringing on to my show here. I think that was a really fun conversation. I hope we can do this again sometime soon. Um, okay.
2: And Hopefully maybe can I can join it, you on uh, yours on as well. Our podcast. Yes, that would be fantastic. I, I should apologize again for my technical difficulties. That's entirely my fault. Uh, but maybe we can do it again on our podcast soon. I would look forward to that.
0: Absolutely, yeah, I'm trying to start up a YouTube channel as well just to get another voice out uh, amongst the crowd of I'm, I'm going to probably focus on crazy social justice nonsense that I see in um, journals, uh, studies and whatnot, because everybody seems to easily attack the low hanging fruit. Where I want to hit it is um, where I'm seeing it in um, organizational psychology in leadership theory, that type of thing, because that's the stuff I study. I'm seeing it there, too. I'm like, hold on a sec. Um, that's, that's not right. And uh, the one I'm working on right now is uh, there's a lady on uh, psychology today that wrote about unconscious bias, and it seems to be their new buzzword type thing. I'm like, well, the unconscious controls motor controls and, and mm-hmm. gut instincts and fight or flight and things like that, and that's yep. about all we know about it. So, to say there's unconscious bias, the only reason we'd have unconscious bias is in a flight or fight situation, we'd be more prone to go toward people of the same race other than other races because, as children, as babies, we immediately find um, safety in the image of our parents. That's the
1: yeah. only
0: reason that exists. They, so,
1: they try to use that same idea to explain white cops shooting black men or black yeah. you know whether it be subs- uh suspects of a crime or not and in fact i even heard president obama try to cite that as a as a valid I did. study I did as
0: well
1: yeah i, I just, did as I, well I, and i'm like i was absolutely no. mortified by that uh and i was still uh, an active uh law enforcement uh, officer at the time and i was absolutely disgusted Uh well, i just you know it's I've heard it.
0: I heard that too. Actually, I heard the same stupid comment and I was thinking to myself, well, statistically speaking, according to the, you know, crime statistics from the DOJ, um, white people are four times more likely to die and then they always argue per capita and all that other crap. I'm like, yeah, no, (laughs) they're arguing a point that's really bad because they already commit a disproportionate amount of crime per capita, and then they go off and think they can fight the cops because their culture builds that. It's like, come on, guys. Well,
1: it, coming from the other side, again. from from being on the other side, of, uh, I would make the argument, uh, which I'm sure the the social justice warriors would love to hear me say, which would be that there is problems on the other side. And I know oh, a lot yeah. of my cop, my cop friends would – Probably ready to crucify me for what I really want to say about it, but there there is a lot of problems in there, and it is a leadership issue, as you kind of was hinting about other things earlier.
0: Yep, uh, it, it
1: it it's a cultural thing, and it needs a change. So Maybe there, we there is on issues that there,
0: yeah, but that's the fun thing is is they, people often forget that cops are humans too. Yep, and you guys are not autonomous robots that see just blindly the law or blindly not the law. It's it's just not the way it is, yeah, which is, which is why I appreciate the ones that are always level headed and really don't give a shit what you are. If you break the law, they come after you. If not, then whatever. Those are the good cops.
1: Far a few between, well, unfortunately.
0: So I've met, I've met quite a few that are really good <laughs> like that. They don't give a shit. They're just like, I'm here to do the job. That's about it. Don't mess with me. There won't be no problem. That's, that's the most I hear. At least I'm in I'm in Houston now, so I reach out. I talk to a lot of them down here. That's that's how they all have. There's maybe one or two that have an attitude problem that House, I've met so far.
1: How's Houston fair to the rest of uh, the state? I know Austin's pretty much considered the progressive
0: capital. Oh, I guess. this
1: place yeah. is this place is weird.
0: So, um, all of Texas is really kind of like Bible Beltish, crazy right. Christian. Oddness. And then you go to Houston, which is completely the opposite. We're talking multicultural, no one gives a shit about race. Um, I've not met a single SJW person down here yet, except for one meeting that I had from a lady that was actually in San Ramon, and then somebody in Utah chimed up trying to say that unconscious bias blah 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 and i actually chimed in on that saying too that you know unconscious bias we all experience because it's intrinsic and you cannot know what their biases are unless they act upon them so (laughs) good luck with that right Uh, all right well um thank you again for for you guys for joining up um that's about 20 minutes of the after show i hope everybody appreciates it that joined in that was an excellent conversation thank you both and uh thank you it's now seven thirty. so you guys have a safe and wonderful night and i'm glad that both the cubs and ireland finally run one in rugby that's i actually <laughs> watch rugby over football i prefer that game over football yeah, hey. oh. <laughs> i i didn't know that you guys haven't won in 111 years
2: it's beautiful in your Beautiful. face, New Zealand, it's <laughs> now yeah, 111 to 1. That's,
1: uh, that's, that's a good thing. I'll stick to hockey. so My pens are still champs until otherwise. So My, my sister's <laughs> a Bruins fan. Uh, I'll st- it's okay. There it could be worse things.
0: <laughs> yes, there could be. <laughs> All right, thank you guys, and have a wonderful night.
1: You too. Take care.
0: Bye now. All the best.
2: Bye. Bye.